You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Everywhere I turn around, someone else is talking about Joseph. And I think there's a real word from the Lord, not just a little one, but a big one, that the Lord wants us to hear out of the life of Joseph. Because he's such, such an amazing character. And so what I want to do is I'm going to give you again, for those of you who haven't heard all of these, maybe to whet your appetite to go back on our website and listen to some of these if you didn't hear them. Here's what we've learned so far. God sent Joseph, although it didn't appear to be true at the time, it was painful, confusing, and would only become clear 22 years later. Joseph's dreams came to pass, just not as quickly as he might have expected. The more significant the purpose you have, the more difficult the process will be. Who's praising the Lord about that? But here's what that does. It explains a little bit more of your life to you. The more significant the purpose you have, the more difficult the process might be. Number three, Joseph lived a righteous life even when his hopes diminished and life was unfair. Um, Number one, two, three, four. Joseph served. Serving became a significant key to his continued promotions. Quite remarkable if you go back and read this. Joseph was head of the prison at one point as a prisoner. And the Bible says he served the baker and the butler. He served other prisoners that were beneath him. And it was the fact that he served them that opened the door to um, Joseph's connection with Pharaoh. And the Bible says Joseph became a father to Pharaoh. It's it's remarkable. From the prison to the throne, it's just incredible. And serving had such a huge part to play. And the last one I want to mention is that Joseph managed his emotions and his attitudes. He refused to surrender to self-pity, jealousy, or bitterness. So talking this morning a little bit about maybe two things, premature conclusions, and then the significance of the names of Joseph and his two, two sons. So, Joseph came to some conclusions about his life and about the Lord that are startling, they're controversial, and they're liberating. But those truths enfolded themselves over time. I can repeat to you this morning everything that happened to Joseph, um, his betrayal by his brothers, their jealousy because his father loved him the most, the dreams he gave that um, indicated to them that he was going to be in authority of their entire family, although he was the youngest. He gets lied about, sold into slavery, stripped naked, shackled, sold to the Midianites, sold to Potiphar, captain of the Pharaoh's guard. Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him of assault. Joseph is imprisoned. In prison, he becomes head of the prison underneath the warden. He interprets the bakers and the butler's dreams who were a couple of employees of Pharaoh who put him in prison for something. Both of his dreams that he interpreted were exactly accurate. He was forgotten another two years. Pharaoh had a dream of seven fat cows and then seven skinny cows. And there's a lot to the story. You need to go read it. And I can only just sort of squeeze this into a highly compacted um, uh, intro. 
But what happened was Joseph was known as a man who can interpret dreams. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. And Joseph knew that what he must do to preserve the lives of Pharaoh and the nation Pharaoh elevates him to the highest place of authority in Egypt to oversee and administrate both the harvest and the famine. Then, one day, Joseph's brothers arrive in Egypt desperate for food. Joseph recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. And I want to read part of Genesis 45. Is everybody caught up so far? Was that a whirlwind tour of a little bit of the story of Joseph? So when I read this now, Joseph is in the second year of the famine, and he is the one who determines who gets food and who doesn't. And so Joseph's brothers show up, but they don't know Joseph is Joseph. And so at a given point, he says, come near to me. So Joseph's brothers approach him And this is what he says in such a shocking way. He says, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Can you imagine the look on their faces? Can you imagine their fear? Um, When people fear for their lives, it's incredible. You talk about anxiety. But here's what Joseph says. He says, but now... Do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there would be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God, he says this again, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives. By great deliverance. So now, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh, Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Then if we skip to Genesis chapter 50, 19 and 20, Joseph again says to them, Jacob has died, the patriarch of the family. The brothers are afraid that even though Joseph has been real kind now for a long time, he still has hatred in his heart. But Joseph says to them, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. These are remarkable remarkable conclusions that Joseph makes. God sent me here to preserve life. Well, you know what happened to him to get him there. It was not you, it was God. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So I started asking myself this question. At what point did Joseph arrive at those amazing truths? He was betrayed at 17 years old. Do you know when he made this conclusion? When he was 39. For 22 years, Joseph lived the life God gave him. 
He had these dreams when he was a teenager that never came to pass. So he lived his life. He did what he knew to do. Took one step forward, another step forward. Until one day his brothers show up. And when his brothers arrived in need of food, Joseph remembered his dreams. That one day he would have authority over his entire family. And that's when a brand new liberating understanding began to dawn upon him. 22 years into his very negative roller coaster experience. 22 years in is when he began to actually understand why he had gone through what he had gone through. He recognized his brothers in chapter 42, but he was not kind to them or revealed himself to them with fresh understanding until chapter 45. What was going on between chapter 42 and chapter 45? Joseph was wrestling. Joseph was processing. Joseph was reevaluating every single thing he had come through. Until he came to a completely brand new, unbelievable conclusion. It was not you. It was God. Don't be angry with yourselves. God sent me before you to save lives. He had to reevaluate his entire life story. How and why he was in a place of authority in Egypt. He began to see his whole difficult life through a completely different lens of revelation and understanding of the ways of God. We should continually evaluate and reevaluate our understanding of God's goodness in our lives. We cannot come to premature conclusions about who he is and what he's like. Are you listening to me? And suffering is part of the equation. It's just the way it is. But so is redemption and so is restoration. It wasn't until Joseph's brothers arrived that Joseph could more accurately process and assess all that he had experienced. This is good. This is helping. You think about Jacob, Joseph's father. At one point, his perspective was 180 degrees wrong. You'll have to go back and read the story. I can't fill in all the gaps. But it was after Joseph had died. It was after the famine. It was after almost 25 years, 22 years exactly, that to Jacob, he concluded, all these things are against me, when in truth, all of them were for him. Everything he thought that was working against him, God was working for his benefit. And his conclusions were premature. And premature conclusions are inaccurate. And inaccurate conclusions can affect your emotional health, your physical health, your viewpoint, your choices, and your decisions. You have to give God time. You have to give him time. That's called patience. And another word for patience is endurance. 
And while you're being patient and while you're enduring, Job's friends will be sure to fill you with enough negative things to completely get you off your game and, and bring you right into the same amount of despair they have. But I'm going to tell you something. Despair is not a witness of the Holy Ghost. Despair is not a reality in one sense. It's a false reality. It's a conclusion based on inaccurate facts and perceptions. Sure, you may have to deal with it. You may have to process it. But the way you process your way through despair and heartache is through a relationship with the one who calls himself the truth. Jesus, the way, the truth, the life. But Jacob had premature conclusions. All these things are against me. When he believed that, what was the result? Depression, unbelief, even affected his health. And I'll read this to you in Genesis 45. Genesis chapter 45. We see in this portion of scripture, it's the narrative when The sons of Jacob came home from getting food in Egypt to tell their dad that his son Joseph, who he thought was dead, was still alive. Jacob believed he was dead 20 plus years. So here's what happened. They told Jacob saying, Joseph is still alive and he's governor over the, over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still. What do you, what do you call it when your heart stops? Heart attack. That is not a good thing when your heart stops beating, ladies and gentlemen. Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. And people all over our nation are having spiritual heart attacks because they're watching the narrative instead of believing the living word. Come on. It's what Andy was saying about John chapter 6. You can only take so much, but a lot of what is beating on us is the fact that we're listening to the wrong sources, paying attention to the wrong narratives. We need to hear what the Lord has to say. We need to hear what Jesus has to say. And he has great things to say ever since the resurrection and even before. Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. But that wasn't the end of it for Jacob. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, a type of Jesus, when they told him all the words Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the provision which Joseph had sent and the carts to carry him back to Egypt, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. When he changed his belief structure, his body changed. His attitude changed. His viewpoint changed. First time that word revive is mentioned in the Bible. Let me read that again. When they told him the words of Joseph and when he believed uh, and saw the provision Joseph had sent to take him back to Egypt, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. The next verse says, then Israel said, who's Israel? Where did he come from? Israel is the real Jacob. Israel is the believing Jacob. Israel is the prince with God. Jacob's the con man. When the con man believes the truth of the gospel, the good news, 
He becomes the prince with God. He begins to recognize he, he's not going to gain authority with God. He's been given authority with God. He's been given a place. Oh, I might say amen to myself. I'm not careful. Ah, Luke 21, 19. I'm not ready for that yet. Israel said it is not enough. It is enough. Israel said it is enough. I've said the wrong thing three times. I'm so excited. I'm getting confused. Israel said it is enough. Do you know what it is enough actually means? Jacob saw the provision and he said, this is more than I could have ever imagined. Here's the problem. We think it's all terrible. Here's the truth. It's better than you know. Gosh. Wait till next week. I got something I'm going to tell you next week. You're probably going to, if you're real depressed and you don't want to be happy, you're going to be mad at me. And I'm not going to apologize. Just take a swing. I'm, I don't look it, but I can be spry under duress. When Jacob believed, he saw things accurately. Scales fell off his eyes. His faith soared. His spirit, his body revived. He became Israel. He started being the person God already always said he was. Oh, what was the kid? Been living at home since he was 35. And his dad said, "Um, son, what are you doing? He said, dad, I'm just trying to find myself. Dad said, well, you got to move out because it's obvious you're not going to find him here. That was actually funnier than, uh, than that. But, uh, yeah, looking for ourselves. Come on. Let the Lord tell you who you are. That'll work. By your patience, you possess your souls. Okay, I'm going to shift gears. I want to talk about the meaning of the names Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim. They're so significant. There's so much meaning. Genesis 41, 50 through 52. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years the famine came, whom these are strange names to me. Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bore to Joseph. So he had two sons. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. means made to forget. And then he said, For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. See if you can say that with me. For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Every time he called his firstborn son's name, that's what Joseph was proclaiming. God has caused me to forget all my toil, all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. And Ephraim means double fruitfulness or abundant fruitfulness. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. It's interesting. Um, Joseph spoke Egyptian now, but he spoke those words in Hebrew. And see, the thing that struck me is when you name your child what God has called you to forget, you're still sort of remembering, aren't you? 
Yeah, yeah. There's something to that. Made to forget, though, double fruitfulness. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Wow, Joseph, what a guy. Joseph's two sons were this. They were two living witnesses. Two living witnesses. Walking testimonies of the work God did in his heart after his betrayal and his difficult time in Egypt. Every time Joseph called his children's name, do you know what he was doing? He was testifying to the goodness of God. Every time he said Manasseh, every time he said Ephraim, two living examples of the goodness of God in Joseph's life. Each time Joseph spoke Manasseh, this Manasseh, he was proclaiming and reaffirming his deliverance from his emotional distress the loss of his family and a home. He was declaring, for God has made me forget all my toil, all my father's house, every time he called his name. Each time he spoke the name of his youngest son, Ephraim, he was declaring that even in the land where he was chained, stripped, afflicted, God made him fruitful. When he called his son Ephraim, Joseph was testifying in his native tongue, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. His children were living reminders of the redemptive work of God and the favor God gave Joseph against incredible odds. Testimonies do this. They remind us of the good things God has done for us. They encourage us to become and live as thankful people. How many of you know the power of thanksgiving? And this is what they do. Testimonies tell others that God will do it again. Every time he called his children's name, he was saying, God did this for me. Down through the ages, he's saying, God will do this for you. And testimonies tell us that. God will do it again. How many of you have ever been delivered out of a difficult situation and you knew the Lord did it? You've got a specific one. Yeah. Let's say this together. God delivered me. God delivered me. God will do it again. God will do it again. What's COVID and the horrible political landscape to God? What's that to God? I mean, we don't like it. God's going to get us through. I think he's going to do better than get us through it. I think we're going to be shocked at what God actually does in the coming years. Because we endured this season. But it makes a difference how you endure it. It makes a difference what your conclusions are. It really does. And then think about Joseph's name. Who knows what Joseph's name means? Anybody know offhand? It means adding. God will add. Say that with me. God will add. God will add. Now here's... Here's the, uh, here's the problem. His name relative to the course of his life is really puzzling. God will add, but here's the problem. Subtraction was the more defining term. What did he lose? His family, his coat of many colors, his hope, his home, his name, his identity, his hair, 
to rule in Egypt, they had to shave your bald. His language. He lost his accent. He lost his freedom. He lost his reputation. Every time he was about to be promoted, he lost his clothes. And although I've said Joseph didn't lose his dreams, I believe he could easily have lost his dreams until he saw his brother standing in front of him. Let me say this again. The more significant the purpose you have, the more difficult the process might be. The higher the calling, the more significant the contradictions you may face. Contradictions aren't things that deny the reality of God. They probably affirm them in a much more profound way than we have ever really seen. I feel sorry for the devil the nights before I preach because he seems to be concerned about beating me up before I get in here on Sunday morning. That poor loser. Well, thank you. I think. (laughs) Of course we don't. Of course we don't. But I'm making the point. I've been a Christian 50 plus years. Some of the things I tell you about, I got because I went through them, not for me, but for you. See, we don't understand we were bought with a price. We don't understand some of the things we go through have nothing to do with us. Have you ever thought about that? Woe is me. No. Oh. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, God will allow us to think of Joseph. Oh, my goodness. How how much does that make the point? All the things he went through because of what God wanted to do for others in his life. But let me say, all the contradictions. Joseph's experience speaks of the mystery of the cross. What looked like loss in the life of Jesus was actually the process to the most extraordinary abundance ever imaginable. Don't draw premature conclusions about what God is like. He is good. He cannot lie. What did God add? A wife, two sons, a new family, restoration of his original family, but now it was in divine order, authority, rulership of a nation, significant levels of trust, powerful life-changing revelation, ability to preserve the lives literally of millions in Egypt in that world, a restorer and savior of the lineage of the Messiah, and he became the clearest prophetic type of Jesus in Scripture, sharing dozens of characteristics. How many of you know what the name Abraham means? Father of multitude. God gave him that name when he couldn't even have a child. He tried. His wife was barren. She could not bear. God says, oh, by the way, Abram, here's your new name, Abraham, father of a multitude. 
So Abraham goes around town. Hey, I would like to introduce myself to you. Who are you? I'm the father of a multitude. Oh, well, let me see your children. I don't have any. And we had one, but it was not the one. You're going to face contradictions. Is everybody hearing that this morning? You're going to face things, but it's not because God's angry with you. It's not because he's not good. It's because there's a process that we have to walk through to get to what it is we actually deeply want. And then there's this, and I'll, uh, I'll try to close with this. It's the order of the children's name. Manasseh came before Ephraim. Forgetting my toil in all my father's house came before double fruitfulness. Do you hear what I'm saying? Maybe not always, but often we won't, cannot, or don't bear the kind of fruit we want to until we forget what lies behind us. I'll repeat this from Philippians 3, and I'll do this in closing. Paul said this, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Let's say that phrase, one thing I do. And then he says like four things. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind and if anything, in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Do you cultivate your sorrows? Do you leave the past behind? Do you nurture resentments? Or do you process them? Yes, there's a process. That's what we see in Joseph's life. He had to process. He had to reevaluate. He had to change his mind. Here's another word for that. It's called repentance. Give those things to God or get help. Sometimes you need to talk to people, right? That's not bad. Get help when you need to and move forward. Okay. That... is what I found recently in the life of Joseph. Amen? Everybody good? Okay. Well, uh, why don't we stand together, and I will pray, and we'll be dismissed. Thank you so much for coming. Live stream, thank you so much for watching with us. Lord, you're so good to us. We love you. Open our eyes. Let us see what you're really like. Lord, we don't want to believe things that aren't accurate about who you are, what your motives are, and what you can do in our lives and in people's lives. And Father, I want to bless Queen City Church this morning, all of us, Lord, here and abroad. And Lord, I want to bless the city of Charlotte, and I want to bless the Carolinas. Lord, I want to bless... Our nation, I want to bless all of our leaders who are in a terrible, uh, confusing situation. But we ask, Lord, that you would save, that you would redeem, that you would restore, that you would give back 
to your people and to the world the joy of the Lord and the salvation, the saving grace of Christ Jesus, the Lord. And there's one name we pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. 